inside the lie of inward shame, we fix our eyes upon the cross and run to Him who showed great love and bled for us. Freely you bled for. Christ is risen from the dead, trampling over death by death. Come awake, come awake, come and rise up from the grave. Christ is risen from the dead, we are one with Him again. Come awake, come awake, come and rise up from the grave. Good morning, listeners, and welcome to Sacred Space 102 FM, which is a Cummins Inspirations production, being produced here in our Cummins studio here in Ada. And it's the 26th of July, it's the 17th Sunday in Ordinary Time. My name is John Keeley, and help me as usual to present the programme again this morning. Shane Ambrose, good morning to you, Shane. Good morning, John, how are we doing? Good, thanks a lot for joining me, Shane, and thanks again for that choice of music. I hope to play it last week, actually, but beautiful piece by Matt Maher, Christ is Risen. Wake us up a little bit this morning, Shane. Just a small bit. Thank you very much indeed. And also, especially, we want to welcome uh, our listeners who are housebound, lonely or struggling in some way. And our listeners who support us each week in prayer. Thank you so much indeed. And of course, also our listeners who are listening to us overseas. Those who listen to us on our various podcasts that are up on our our podcast page. Um, welcome again to wherever you are in the world. Uh, maybe you're in Hong Kong or maybe you're in in uh, Australia or maybe just around the corner in uh, Abbeyfield. Again, I listen to us on, on our podcast. You're welcome and thanks indeed for joining us. 
The programme, of course, is broadcast at West Limit 102 Local Radio at 10am and 11pm each Sunday. And the podcast of this programme, Sacred Space 102 FM, are just some of the Common Sea Inspirational pod- podcasts available for playback and download at our Common Sea Inspirations pod- podcast page. To access that, just Google Common Sea Inspirations and you'll find us there. We're also available to be heard on Spotify, iTunes and Google Podcasts. Again, just Google, just look for, search for Come and See Inspirations. Now, the 10am slot on Sunday morning is our mass, uh, mass programme, actually I call it at this stage. It, it, it's a programme that we uh, were able to broadcast mass live from Abbeyfield Church in County Limerick here. We thank Father Tony Mullins and the parishioners for allowing us to join them. And on Sunday night then, of course, as usual, our Six Space One Hundred Two FM program goes out, of which we are record. We're we recording this this morning. Now, last week we had a problem. We had we had included in our program uh, Bishop Brendan Leahy, and Shane was interviewing Bishop Brendan on various topics of interest to ourselves within the diocese, and we played that interview last Sunday morning. However, last Sunday night there was a problem. Problem 102 FM, and uh, the program didn't go out. Now that presented us with a problem because, as far as we're concerned, it was so important for us for that interview to be to be heard by uh, by our listeners, whether they're in the morning or in the evening. It would be totally unfair if we allowed the listeners in the morning to hear that program at that interview, but not in the evening. So we've had to re re schedule uh, some of our guests that we had planned. Uh, we had one particular program lined up for today, and unfortunately, we'd have to we'll have to change that. And what we're going to do today is to play that um, that interview again, and hopefully that'll be going out again at eleven p.m. this Sunday night. Um, if you want to contact us at all, please do so. Text in zero eight seven. Six zero eight eight six six seven. That's zero eight seven six zero eight eight six six seven. Or email come and see inspirations at gmail dot com. Now, Shane, a few bits and pieces in terms of saints for the week, please. You might have for us. Sure, John. Um, so liturgically this week, um, I suppose as we head into the <coughs> summer, I suppose it's it's a bit quieter on on the saint front. Um, so today, of course, is the 26th of July, so it's the 17th Sunday in Ordinary Time. So obviously next week is the 17th week in Ordinary Time. For those of us praying the Psalter, we're on week one. And then in terms of saints for the week, of course, today being the 26th, it should, of course, be the feast day of St. Joachim and St. Anne, who are parents even of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and of course, the principal saints for grandparents. But obviously, because it's the Sunday, the Sunday takes precedence. Um, Then on Monday, the 27th of February... um, I there's 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 a couple of names actually I just want to to call out. So um Anthony Tost Labaria, Emilio Ponte Gonzalez, Francesco Pujala Espinates, Jacinta Gomez Pena, uh Joan Romano Candele, Jasquin de la Madrid Asporacharanga, and Joaquin Poeto Gonzalez. And you'll say No, I'm telling you my Spanish pronunciation is absolutely horrific. <laughs> But the, the all of these these are just some of the saints or the blesseds that are listed 
in the Saints for the week that we have ahead of us between the 27th of July and the 31st of July. Okay. I counted I counted almost 100. And who they are, they are martyrs of the Spanish Civil War killed in the 1930s, generally around 1932, uh, under the... Um, uh, under, well, yes, exactly... Well, actually, it was the ones that Franco was uh, was fighting against. Uh, but that that so they so the twenty all this week actually, if you look at the listing of the saints on the calendar, there are martyrs listed for each one of the days. So that's on Monday specifically. Then on Tuesday, the twenty eighth, we have in particular Jose Melcor Garcia San Pedro Suarez, and he actually is a saint, a martyr of Vietnam. He was a Dominican priest ordained in eighteen forty seven. And he was a missionary to Vietnam in 1849, and he was imprisoned, tortured, and finally executed as one of the martyrs of Vietnam in 1858. And given that it's breakfast time, I'm not going to go through how he met his death. Thank you. Uh, So that's, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Then on Wednesday, the 29th of July, we have the feast day of St. Martha. Martha, she who is sister of Lazarus and Mary. Uh, the woman of faith who made her profession of faith in Christ as the Son of God and in the resurrection. Particularly, of course, associated, she would have said to Jesus, if you were here, Lord, Lazarus would not have died. Um, and, of course, very much associated with hospitality and the responsibility to hospitality that we have as Christians. She's one of, that is one of her patronages. Then on Thursday, the 30th of July, we have the feast day of St. Peter Christologus, I think is how you pronounce the man's name, an early saint of the church, died in 450 AD, very much associated against fighting against heresies at the time. I'm not going to go through them, but I'll just confuse people at this hour of the morning. Uh, Very much, uh, but his name, Christologus, refers to Golden Word because he was a renowned preacher. And 176 of his sermons have survived down to the present day, and it's on the and beautiful sermons on the incarnation, the creed, the place of Mary and John the Baptist in the great plan, or the economy of salvation, as it's written. And he was declared a doctor of the church in 1729 by Pope Benedict the 13th. Then on the 31st of July, John, we have one of the biggies. It's the feast day of St. Ignatius Loyola, founder of the Jesuits, died in 1556. Obviously a Basque saint, very much associated with that part of the world. Um, started out as a man about town and then was injured during, during one of the wars he participated in and had a massive conversion experience where he wanted to, end up, wanted to go to Jerusalem, ended up studying in Paris and eventually founding the Jesuits with a number of companions. Very much associated with uh, conversion and discernment, which, of course, Pope Francis refers to quite numerous times, being an ex-Jesuit himself. And, of course, uh, he's famous, uh, uh, St. Ignatius is famous for having written the spiritual exercises. And then finally, on Saturday... The 1st of August, which of course is the first Saturday of the month for those that are maintaining that devotion, we have the feast day of St. Alphonsus Liguri, Bishop and Doctor of the Church. Alphonsus is of course more, is generally remembered as the founder of the Redemptorist congregations, that's the fathers in Mount St. Alphonsus. He died in 1787, very much a man, a, a very much a child progeny he's described. Uh, he had uh, graduated with a doctorate in law from the University of Naples at the age of 16. He had his own legal practice at the age of 21 and eventually he um he he he, uh, felt a call to religious life and he was ordained at the age of 29 
As pointed, the bishop would, uh, in one of the dioceses in Italy in 1762 led to huge reform, but that was after, of course, he founded the Congregation of the Most Holy Redeemer, which is the proper name for the Redemptorists um, at Scala in Italy in 1732. Now, the interesting thing about St. Francis Allegori at the moment, for those of us that are paying attention, is that for those who have been praying the spiritual communion prayer, by tradition, it is attributed to St. Alphonsus Liguri um, that we have been praying over the period of COVID. So his feast day is on, as I said, it's on Saturday, the 1st of August. So that's what we have, John, in terms of this week's uh, Celestial Guides. Shay, thank you very much, Nidhera, again. Thank you so much. Maybe just before I go and pray that spiritual communion prayer, I just want to bring to listeners' attention something that I found out over the last few weeks. Maybe listeners out there might be interested. I started listening in the morning a lot, especially, at various times of day, but in the morning especially, to Spirit Radio. Spirit Radio is on 89.8 on the dial, so that's really between RT1 and 2FM, 89.8. It's, uh, it's a Christi- it plays Christian music, but it also um, they, they also have uh, uh, chats on about and in, in interviews about topical topical issues Christian from a Christian point of view uh, specifically I'm I'm listening these these mornings between 10 10 a.m. and 12 noon to Wendy Grace and Wendy Grace would have various um, various guests on to talk about various topics and also some inspirational music so on Monday to Friday uh, there'd be other um, other bits of music and other programs on during the day but I just had to bring it to listeners attention those people who think sometimes what's on the offer on other stations uh, might be to their liking why not try Spirit Radio 89.8 hopefully maybe within the next few weeks might be able to get somebody to come on and speak to us a little bit more about what they do in Spirit Radio but in the meantime as Shane said Spirit of Communion Prayer um, and of course we specifically thank um, St. Alphonsus Liguri for this the best way, of course, is to receive Christ in, is in Holy Communion and Mass. Yet for those times you can't get Mass, you can still reach out to him by making a spiritual communion in prayer. And this is the prayer we pray. My Jesus, I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot now receive you sacramentally, come spiritually into my soul. I embrace you as already there. I unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Now we play our first bit of music this morning, and this one is by um, my good friend uh, from the west of Ireland there, James Corban, and this one is entitled Take Hold of My Hand. So join us again in part two, where, as I said, Shane will be speaking with Bishop Brendan Leahy, and following that in part three then we'll uh, go through and reflect and read the Sunday Gospel. So join us again in part two for Bishop Brendan and Shane. Could I sit beside you? Would you hold to my hand? If I try to pray, would you understand? I'm drifting away to a far distant land. Please bring me back. Take hold of my hand 
to Sacred Space 102, a Come and See production here on West Limerick 102. My name is Shane Ambrose. Delighted to have you back on the second part of the programme. And I'm still joined here on the programme today by John Keeley. And we're delighted to welcome to the programme this morning Bishop Brendan Lee. Good morning, Bishop Brendan. How are you keeping? Good morning to Shane. I'm well, thank you. Very good, Bishop. Delighted to have you on the programme. So we we said we'd have you back on, just to have a, a catch-up. We, we were talking to you a couple of weeks ago in the middle of the whole lockdown. And I suppose as Limerick, and the whole country, but as the diocese, of course, has been kind of part of the rephasing of the phasing of the openings that have been happening, I suppose, uh, just to touch base with you and see how things are going. And I suppose... You know, from your perspective, you know, as as we've we've reopened the churches, I think we're now into our third weekend. I think it is at this stage. From your perspective, I suppose, what would be the do's and don'ts um, that you would you know be, be be kind of expecting of parishes around the diocese? Well, of course, the first, the first do is just let's thank God we have the chance to be back in churches again. I think a lot of people really missed coming together every Sunday. So the first thing is it's great that we have this possibility and. 
thank God for that. So that's definitely a do. Of course, this, the, the main do has to be let's follow the public regulations and advice as best as possible. And I really want to give huge credit to the um, parishes throughout the diocese. Priests and lay people involved really have done a huge amount of work in getting the churches in place, getting everything marked out properly, getting the cleaning facilities, the uh, sanitising facilities worked out, making sure churches cleaned after every mass. That's really wonderful. So I suppose we're just appealing to everybody to really, really follow the directions when they go to church. The stewards are there telling them where to sit and all the rest and to make sure we do that as best as possible increasingly the advice seems to be wear masks. I think the government might even bring that in now looking at the news. So that's really something we might uh, clearly want to do. And um, it's important, I think, because it's not just for ourselves, it's for the people who come to church. We want to be for them as well, careful in what we're doing. So there certainly do's. Um, the don'ts, I suppose, are literally don't be overly afraid of coming to church. Of course, people have rightly to be cautious. If people have underlying conditions, certainly they shouldn't come. We will still be streaming masses. There will still be the possibility of getting mass. Some people are deciding to come and stay in the car park and listen to the if we're, where there are loudspeakers, listen to the mass through the loudspeaker. Some are deciding to go during the week because, of course, uh, the obligation to attend Mass on Sunday has been dispensed, so it is possible to go if you want someday during the week, and um, that that that's a possibility. But you know, don't be overly afraid. I think the, the the conditions are good now in the church; it is safe. I think a lot of people are finding that in coming back. But don't be afraid as well to make suggestions, propose, give ideas. If there are uh, things you notice that you feel this could be done another way or better, by all means, give us those ideas. We have a lot of material put up on our website, our, our Limerick Diocesan website. And uh, again, great credit to people there. We had a webinar a preparation uh, video, which you can get. But we also have a question and answer sheet, which is up on the website. And again, we're delighted if people want to send in a question or whatever that can be um, answered and put up on the website. Maybe other people might have the same question. So they're kind of things, they're points that I think I'd like to mention. OK, no, I think that's 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 fair enough. A um, couple of things, I suppose, uh uh, people have asked us maybe and over over the last couple of weeks and I said well do you know what now when we have the bishop on we'll ask him these questions he'll be the right man to answer them um, one of the questions that has come up is what's going to happen with First Holy Communions and confirmations there was um, you, you had announced that some would take place during the summer has there been any further developments on that front yes at this stage I think most parishes are, are landing as it were because it, it took a bit of time it is taking a bit of time because you have to work out the dynamics in the sense that because of the restriction of numbers in each church, the amount of children who could be confirmed or make their first communion at any one time is, is quite restricted. Now, um, most, I think, parishes are more or less getting there. And I, I know a lot of parishes at this stage have the dates settled. Broadly speaking, confirmation is taking place the last two weeks of August, from, let's say, August the 14th, 15th onwards, we have confirmation ceremonies taking place at um, different days. Some are doing them maybe two or three ceremonies on one day. Some are doing evening ceremonies. I know one particular pastoral unit are going to a large venue, I think uh, the race course or whatever, and thereby able to confirm more children at the one time while keeping within the numbers for outdoor gatherings. 
So, yeah, the numbers are that the dates are now being fixed. I think that's being communicated to, to families because children, uh, families register their children and we do have the contact details. So as far as I know, most parishes have, have probably made contact with the families and, uh, as I say, are indicating the dates. What we have then prepared, and this is a good thing, good news story, uh, we are preparing three short videos three for First Holy Communion, three for Confirmation. And the idea will be, we'll be sending them out now in the next week or two, that we would encourage families to get together and together with their son or daughter who is making either the First Communion or Confirmation to look at the video and take it as your preparation. Normally the children would be at school, they'd be up and down to the church, there'd be all that kind of preparation. The priest would be in and out talking to them. That isn't going to happen this time around the same way. So we've come up with this other way of doing it where we'll provide videos and I'm delighted that our own father, Chris O'Donnell, uh, is one uh, person involved in the videos and two young teachers. And I have seen the first of the videos. I must say that I'm, I'm impressed with them. And um, I think it'll be a lovely thing for the family to get together and watch the video and prepare that way. Okay, that sounds good. That sounds good. One other thing I think that's come up, um, Bishop Brendan, is the question of open-air masses. So particularly, I suppose, out the county, July and August would traditionally have been a time for graveyard masses and, of course, patron days in certain parts of the diocese. What's the situation with those at the moment? Yeah, well, the situation there uh, is complex. Obviously, Outdoor gatherings are allowed and there's a, a certain number of people are allowed up to, I think, 200 people are allowed gathered together. So, you know, in here and there, I've been asked, could there be an outdoor mass, meaning the ordinary Sunday mass could be held outside the church or whatever. And I, I think that's something that could happen. Of course, Irish weather doesn't lend itself too easily to some of these things. However, I personally have a reservation about the cemetery masses in this sense that the cemetery masses bring together families and families maybe who haven't always been able to meet, especially now in recent months in the COVID crisis. And also they're coming at a time, you know, it's a poignant moment. They're, amen- they're remembering loved ones in the past. And then in some cases, the very recent past, they've had a bereavement. And then in some cases, it may even have been a difficult bereavement because of the COVID crisis and the, the funeral arrangement and all that. So that there would be a high degree of... Um, I suppose, uh, desire to really embrace, uh, uh, be affectionate with one another, rightly so. And I just would have a sense that doing uh, a, a grave, having a, grave, a graveyard mass, a cemetery mass, there just is a slight risk that from my point of view that we'd really let down the guard a little bit during those masses. Personally, I would be inclined to say, let's postpone them. The, mm-hmm. pr- the priest can bless, uh, of course, the priest can bless the graves do that ceremony himself clearly that can happen but whether or not um an event should take place with a few hundred people at it in that context in the context of a bereavement etc i just would have a reservation okay no that's 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 fair enough um i suppose one of the other things i suppose just to say i suppose and that we should point out to people is that the application of the, the the public regulations, as you said, that's one of the things that we should follow, which is the the fifty limit or whatever it is, the the social distancing and and the cleaning and all that that has to go on in the churches. Um, I suppose it's just to say that each of those things has been adapted, I suppose, for local circumstances, because I know it can be a a, a point of concern that maybe there's variations between parishes and how that's been done, because obviously there's local circumstances. 
Yes, well, in each case, what I've said is that it's the parish that really has to take responsibility for it. We have two volunteers for every parish, parish church, and they are entrusted with the task of overseeing the arrangements together with the priest for the church. We did provide a webinar um, training session for them. We've also got a question and answer fact sheet, as I've mentioned, and we've resources up on our website. So we've done a lot of work in trying to train people. So um, generally speaking, my sense is that the volunteers are really approaching that with a great sense of responsibility. Mm-hmm. And the stewards, likewise, are volunteering their time and doing it with great sense of responsibility. But we've all to help each other. Naturally, if somebody sees something that could be improved, look, make sure they say it. And uh, that mm-hmm. I'm sure will be taken on board. It's important mm-hmm. to do that. Looking at some of the the wider issues, I suppose, just around COVID, Bishop Leahy, um, I suppose it was with a bit of concern, I think, that Catholics would have read the news about the, the financial difficulties that the Dublin Archdiocese is going on through at the moment, and with things like having to let go some of their staff and the cuts to the allowances for the clergy. From Limerick's perspective, um, how do we stand uh, Limerick is no different, I think, for, to anybody else. The sheer uh, obvious fact <laughs> that's that's very mm. clear is since March, the whatever it is, 12th or 15th, since we ha- no longer had the public celebration of the sacraments in church, the and the churches were actually physically closed until about three weeks ago, literally very, very little money would have come in, although I do want to pay credit to those people who did make donations uh, during that time. And of course, some people made generous donations as well in terms of the Easter Jews. That has happened a bit to some extent. But overall, you would have to say our financial situation has, um, oh yeah, suffered greatly since Mm -hmm. March. There is some recovery going on at the moment, but naturally nothing uh, substantial because those who are coming to church now, in terms of the numbers allowed, come to church for a start. And those actually coming back uh, would be dramatically reduced compared to before COVID. So mm-hmm. that's a, that is an issue we're going to have to address. And it's it's very much on my mind, of course. Okay. Looking, I suppose, as well at those bigger issues, I suppose one of the things is that We've, we're very much focused, I suppose, on the practical and we're trying to get things reopened. But looking, you know, as we move out of the kind of the, the initial lockdown, I suppose one of the things that people will say is, as a praying community, as a faith community, where, where, where is the learning for us as a praying community, as, as a praying community, as we reflect on this process that we're going through? I suppose there's the, practical, there's the side of practicalities but also, I suppose, the more fundamental things about us as a, as a faith community. What, what do you think we can learn from, from what we have, we've gone through in the last couple of months? Well, it's true. As a faith community, we, all, we believe God is present in all circumstances, all circumstances. So there is something God draws good out of everything. And I think in this particular case, perhaps we're still a bit too near it to read it. But I think uh, a few obvious things strike me. Number one, it's put the culture in at large, I suppose, before very deep questions about life, about mortality. We, we've all known somebody perhaps who has been taken away prematurely by this virus and that's given us a jolt. Um, we all have been very aware of the fact that it could hit any of us. And that, too, has, I suppose, spiritually impacted on people, probably in a way that might not be immediately easily diagnosed but i suspect it's deep and that is it is in people 
But moving on from that, I, I think we saw some developments. We saw clearly a greater sense in many cases of families coming together for moments of prayer. Some families established little um, sacred spaces in their house. Certainly we saw people going online to find liturgies. Um, the, mass, the Sunday Mass, obviously, big numbers went online for that. But beyond that, we I've heard of people looking up prayers online in a new way. For instance, because of the COVID, in some cases, the clergy weren't allowed to go to be with the family or whatever the circumstance might be. And some family members would have gone online looking to see how, for instance, you say the rosary. How, how does the rosary work? Because they wanted to do that for a loved one who was either dying or, or died or there there's a funeral scenario where they realized we want to do prayers. And of course, we've heard a wonderful example of some of the hospital staff praying with those who are dying or praying with the seriously ill. So in a way, what I want to say is that, you know, there was a cartoon somebody sent me, which I liked. It was kind of a, a cartoon of this kind of imaginary conversation between devil, the devil and God. And the devil saying to God, look, I managed to close down all your churches. But God responding, saying, I don't worry. Look how many churches have opened up in families. And I think there is something in that, that some families at least gained a new sense that we are church and not just church by, because we say prayers, church because the way we are with one another, the way we try to support and help each other, the, ultimately the new commandment, the way we love one another, that has been an important, I think, learning. More broadly speaking in the culture, um, I think too there's a sense from a Christian faith point of view of admiring how much our Lord's words uh, do unto your neighbour as you would like done unto you. Love your neighbour as yourself. What has been put into practice by a lot of people, uh, obviously the hospital uh, staff, the healthcare staff in general, not just hospital, but in general across the board, have been exercising what we would call the baptismal priesthood in their ministry, in their lives, in their work. And I think that's perhaps something we need to appreciate more, that the church is more than the building and more than the Sunday liturgy. The mm. church is a continuing heartbeat throughout the society of ultimately the presence of Jesus in his new commandment, in his words lived out, and that a lot of people were doing that, perhaps not always fully conscious of it. Pope Francis talks about that in his encyclical and the joy of the gospel, a wonderful document worth, worth reading. He makes that point. He said, look, even though maybe many people aren't coming to church, many people are baptized. And we've got to believe that that baptism is at work in their lives. And I think we saw something of that during the COVID crisis. Mm -hmm. Another learning curve clearly has to be for us as a faith community, the, the, the importance of technology. We saw a lot of priests reinventing themselves as uh, and the pastor ministry of the telephone, as I call it, or uh, more visibly Facebook, web cameras, those new means, and I think a rediscovery that, in fact, a lot of people do like to go on those means. And maybe we need to discover in the future, in terms of our own ministry, how they work for us. That mm. would be another, I would say, outcome from this uh, pandemic. There'd be many more. But another one, I think, would be, it strikes me that this COVID crisis has helped us in a way as a diocese look forward a little bit because in a way we got a taste of what it's going to be like in five or six years time mm. because many of our priests over 70 were shielding or cocooning as they say some people don't like that word cocooning but 
we got a sense of, you know, what will it be like in five or six, seven years time? Uh, we got a sense of how many clergy we have. I reckon we had about 40-ish, 40 clergy who had to keep services going at the level of the funerals. Now, primarily, that's all we had in this particular time of the COVID crisis. Uh, clearly, in the future, we will still have the other services, all the sacraments, baptisms, ministries, administration, all those things. So I, it was a bit of an eye opener to us and maybe a help that we need to start really naming this and recognizing that nothing is written in stone. You know, people who might have all their lives long gone to a particular mass or a particular routine this time around realized they had to change the routine. Either they had to go streaming or they had to go to another event, another way of doing it. Or even now that they're getting back, they may have to go to other churches or there may be, especially with the sacraments, there may be new ways of doing it. Priests had to go to different churches and maybe take funerals in other parishes that they wouldn't normally be in. So that people saw maybe a greater sense of movement between parishes. Mm -hmm. And that's maybe important because I think as we move forward, the pastoral units are going to be terribly important. No isolated parish in the future will have the resources on its own moving forward. That's my sense of it at the moment. And maybe COVID has shown us a little bit of that. Indeed, trying to take, I suppose, the learning from it all and silver, 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 silver linings from every cloud. Bishop Brendan Lee, thank you so much for joining us this morning on the program. Uh, we have to, I'm afraid we'd, we'd keep talking, but I'm afraid time is against us. So as we uh, just conclude the second part of the program, we're going to close out with um, a version of The Lord is My Shepherd. And for listeners that are going to listen to this, I want you to listen to this and I want you to figure out where you've heard it before. And we'll tell you in part three of the program.
So welcome back again to the third part of Sacred Space, 102 FM, coming from our Common Sea studio here in Adam. My name is John Keeley. Shane is still joining me there. And Shane, you asked us all to think, where did we hear this piece of music before? Yes, now apologies to listeners that were listening last week and I completely forgot about it in part three of the programme. Yes, so for those that were racking their brains and trying to figure out where did I hear that piece of music before, it is, of course, The Lord is My Shepherd, but Mm. it would have been more um, commonly called the theme tune to The Vicar of Dipley. (laughs) Okay, Shane, thank you very much indeed. With that, and with that, we'll continue on with our reading and reflecting on the Sunday Gospel. <laughs> okay. And before that, Shane, if you can, we'll pray this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture, please. Thanks. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively, and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that, Shane. So the Gospel for today, 17th Sunday in Ordinary Time, is again taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13, verse 44 to 52. Jesus said to the crowds, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which someone has found. He hides it again, goes off happy, sells everything he owns, and buys the field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he finds one of great value, he goes and sells everything he owns and buys it. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet cast into the sea that brings in a haul of all kinds. And when it's full, the fishermen haul it ashore. Then sitting down, they collect the good ones in a basket and throw away those that are of no use. This is how it'll be at the end of time. The angels will appear and separate the wicked from the just, to throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and grinding of teeth. Have you understood all this? They said yes, and then he said to them, Well then, every scribe who becomes a disciple of the kingdom of heaven is like a householder, who brings out from his storeroom things both new and old. The Gospel for today, the 17th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Shane, would you like to throw us off a bit of a reflection there, please? Um, okay, a few thoughts, I suppose, on it. Um, yeah, it's 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 one of those ones you're not quite sure sometimes what to make of it. Um, so what we have here is we have we're coming towards the end of a section in Luke's or sorry Matthew's gospel, which talks about um, it's the parables where Jesus is trying to explain what is the kingdom of God, and I suppose it's a concept. It's a team it's an expression that we hear a lot but i suppose maybe sometimes we don't actually think about what does it actually mean what is the kingdom of god it's you know and how is it um where is it and where does it come from and all the rest of it and i suppose once upon a time in catholic tradition i suppose the focus was very much that the kingdom of god was not of this was not of this earth and it was something that you um aimed to get to 
whereas I suppose now, I suppose the focus is very much as well, it is something that you aim to get to, but we also have to participate in bringing it about. But anyway, in this, in this Sunday's Gospel, Jesus is trying to explain to us the importance of it and the, the, I suppose, the desire that we should have in terms of trying to understand what it means and what it says to us, and I suppose try to live it out in our lives. And he very much compares it to tr extreme treasures, which we are called to give all up for to try and obtain. Uh, the two great examples, of course, that are looking there is the treasure in the field, and of course the merchant looking for fine pearls. And I suppose the thing about it is like that, you know, it the gospel presents the kingdom and life with God as an extraordinarily valuable pearl, you know, from start to finish, you know, life as 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 a child of God is, um, I suppose, it's marked by excess and extravagance, uh, both that which is given and that which we receive in our lives. And I suppose the point that you know, we're trying to God, Jesus is trying to make in this Sunday's gospel is that we are precious in his eyes. We are also the pearl of great price, which is bought not with money, you know, but actually with the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Um, but I suppose it goes, it goes even further, you know, at the other side of it, Jesus is also our pearl of great price um, that we must seek out at any cost. And I suppose the challenge for us is this Sunday is, are we still doing that seeking? Are we still trying to make out in our lives, where is it that we are looking for those moments of the divine, those encounters with the Lord? Um, where, are, where is it that we are making that effort? And I suppose the reminder to us is, of course, that in that second, that third pericope where he talks about the kingdom being like a dragnet cast into the sea, I suppose is that reminder to us that you know we are always we are called to be faithful to Christ. Um, we are Christians. We are baptized into the body of Christ. And I suppose sometimes one of the things is that we kind of sometimes gloss over that. It's it's you know that we kind of ignore the fact that, like any relationship, it's a two-way street. You know, it requires efforts on both sides in terms of being open to the other. Now, the one thing that faith tells us is that God is always there waiting for us. He never closes the door. No matter what we think we've done or haven't done, I suppose we believe in a God of mercy as well as being a God of justice, but also a God of mercy and love, slow to anger, abounding in compassion, as the psalm tells us. Um, but the other side of that, of course, is that we also have to make the effort. You know, we also have to challenge ourselves to move out of our comfort zones because one of the things about the parables is if they're too familiar they're not challenging enough parables are supposed to 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 shake us up to cause us to pause to cause us to think but because we've heard them so often over our lives sometimes they lose their shock value um you know which which is thing but if you think about it like you know that first one the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field which someone has found he hides it goes off happy sells everything and buys the field you know, if you think about it, that's like that's that's that could be considered a slightly bit eccentric, to say the least. And I suppose that's the thing about it is that we have come through, I suppose, a culture in Ireland where there was social cohesion, or or nothing social cohesion, but I suppose social support around the concept of Christian values, mm. Christian belief, Christian challenge to the status quo. Um, 
Now, it can be argued whether that was a good or a bad thing. Um, there's pros and cons to each side of that debate, which we're not going to get into this morning. But I suppose the point is now is that that safety net, if you like, is no longer there. That to be a Christian in the modern world calls for a definitive choice to be made. We have to make the, the decision for each of ourselves what it is that we are going to profess and believe if we call ourselves Christian and the consequences, I suppose, that flow from that. Um, it's not quite, I suppose, a return to the catacombs. No one's going to start persecuting Catholics in Ireland anytime soon, despite how we might feel about it. There's challenges for being in a, pure, a pluralistic society. But unlike our compatriots, say, in China or Vietnam, there's no one locking you up and throwing the key away. But at the same time, I suppose, there is that social pressure to conform but whereas Christianity always puts forth an alternative view of life, an alternative um, understanding of what it is to be a human person from, nat from conception to natural death. And I suppose this morning's gospel is very much a reminder of that for us, I suppose, is that, you know, whether it is the treasure in the field or the pearl of great price, it's not something that is to be treated lightly and thrown away, but is something that requires effort and this, the side of that, of course, is as, wake, as well as making the decision to be a Christian in our lives today, we also have to look at what ways we can support that in terms of prayer, study, learning, participation, people of like mind in that regard, but also public witness in the public square. Shane, thank you so much indeed for that. Um, just a little reflection that I got myself there this morning. Of course, the three parables, as uh, Shane mentioned there, the first parable... Uh, the kingdom of God being like someone finding this treasure in the field. And over the years, I suppose, uh, the kingdom of God for me, uh, I say that, that that would have happened to me, that, that, that I would have found that treasure, and really through other people, by their sharing their faith with me, by introducing me to aspects of my faith that I never used to even think about, and especially by introducing me to the word of God the gospel and the readings there, which I hear every time I go to Mass. Lecture Divina uh, with Father Frank Duick opened up a, a new world for me, whereas previously I considered the scripture had nothing at all to do with my life. That changed when I went to Lecture Divina. I found that the word of God both encourages me and challenges me. And yes, I have to stay with it, I have to read and I have to take time with it. Uh, but if it's to be beneficial, that's what i got to do. But any price that I have to pay is worth it. Because the benefit I receive and the treasure I'm so thankful for. A bit like the, like the dragnet parable we hear about at the end of today's gospel. I have loads of stuff that I have to throw away too. Which are of no use to me in my life. So I suppose to sum it all, I'm thankful to, for all those who've shown me where to find my treasure. Every time I go to Mass... I have the opportunity to hear that treasure in the readings. So maybe this week, um, maybe we could all maybe just give that a go. We could all try and listen a bit more attentively to the Word of God and find out that treasure for ourselves. So that's my little few words there this morning. Uh, thanks again for for staying with us this morning. Uh, Shane's interview with, Father, with, with Bishop... Brendan, I'm sure people would have found interesting. Thank Bishop Brendan again for joining us last week and again this week. And Shane again for taking time to, to, to um, speak and prepare for, for Bishop Brendan. 
So join us again next week, where we'll hopefully do it all again. We want to tell you who our guest is this week, just in case we're going to repeat something again. But in the meantime, for myself and Shane, thanks indeed for joining us. We're going to go out with a final piece of music. It's by Dan Shute. And maybe this week it might be opportune. It's entitled, I Found the Treasure. So for myself and Shane, until next week, God bless you all now. Bye. Bye. treasure